Monday, the 29th of January. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you have brought all things into being. You have made us in your image and redeemed us in your love. You have destined us for everlasting life in your presence. God, the giver of all good gifts, our desire to praise you is itself a blessing you have bestowed upon us. We can offer you nothing that you do not already have except our love which we render to you in worship and service to all whom you redeem in Jesus Christ. Grant us glad gratitude in him who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. And all glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy Catholic Schools Week! I know that uh, many of you are either heading off to drop kids off at Catholic school, maybe you are a kid yourself, getting ready for some uh, Spirit Week type of attire this morning. Uh, Maybe you're a teacher, an educator, an administrator in a Catholic school. We are praying for all of you this morning as we kick off Catholic Schools Week. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click over to the show notes and you can see us live on Facebook and YouTube. Up this hour, we will take a look at this week in Catholic history, as we always do on a Monday morning. Kevin Schmeezing along for that. Father Patrick Briscoe will discuss the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. It was actually yesterday. Uh, But since Father Patrick is a Dominican, uh, any opportunity to talk about Aquinas is good by him. We'll check in with Father John Gavin. More thoughts from the Church Fathers in the Catechism from him. And then Dr. Jared Stout will talk more about our participation at Mass. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has condemned the recent attack on a Catholic church in Istanbul. Vatican News reports one person was killed after armed gunmen attacked the church during Sunday Mass. The Holy Father said during his Angelus address yesterday, quote, I express my sympathy to the community of St. Mary Draperis Church in Istanbul, which suffered an armed attack during Mass that left one person dead and several wounded, end quote. The Holy Father also highlighted the ongoing war in Myanmar as he made appeals for peace around the world during his Angelus address yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. For three years now, the Pope said the cry of pain and the noise of weapons have taken the place of the smile that characterizes the people of Myanmar. Given this, the Pope said he joined his voice with that of Burmese bishops in praying that the weapons of destruction may be transformed into instruments to grow in humanity and justice. While the Pope acknowledged that peace is a journey, he invited all parties involved to take steps of dialogue and to clothe themselves with understanding so that the land of Myanmar may reach the goal of fraternal reconciliation. Let humanitarian aid, he said, be allowed to pass through to ensure the necessities of every person. 
The Holy Father also turned his attention to the Middle East, focusing on Palestine and Israel as the humanitarian crisis in Gaza continues. And the same time in the Middle East, Palestine and Israel, and wherever there is fighting, the Pope said, respect the people. He said, I always think in a heartfelt way of all the victims, especially civilians, caused by the war in Ukraine. Please let their cry for peace be heard, the cry of the people who are tired of violence and want the war, which is a disaster for the peoples and a defeat for humanity to stop. The Pope also reminded Christians to pray for Haiti, despite expressing his relief to learn of the recent release of religious sisters and others this week. The Pope, however, appealed, I call for the release of all those still kidnapped and for an end to the violence, for all to make their contribution to the peaceful development of the country, for which renewed support from the international community he appealed is needed. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. President Biden says the U.S. will respond after three American service members were killed at an overnight drone attack in Jordan. Biden held a moment of silence for the soldiers killed during an event in South Carolina yesterday, calling it a tough day in the Middle East. The White House is blaming radical Iranian-backed militant groups for the strike. It marks the first U.S. troops killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. The U.S. bishops are applauding a congressional bipartisan agreement for an enhanced child tax credit. Archbishop Boris Godziak released a statement last week saying, quote, This framework makes meaningful progress towards the goal of a strengthened child tax credit by largely targeting improvements in the credit to the lowest-income children. This he said, will help support the well-being of families struggling to meet their basic needs and has the power to lift many children out of poverty. This is exactly the sort of policy supporting women, children, and families that Congress should prioritize, end quote. Income tax season has arrived. You can start filing your 2023 federal income tax returns beginning today. Internal Revenue Service Commissioner Danny Werfel says, they are ready to make tax filing as, quote, smooth and easy as possible. And the stage is now set for Super Bowl 58. The Kansas City Chiefs will battle the San Francisco 49ers in Las Vegas on February 11th. KC advanced to the big game following a 17-10 win over the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, and Travis Kelsey set the all-time record for postseason receptions after catching 11 passes for 116 yards and a touchdown last night. Meanwhile, the Niners stormed back from the largest halftime deficit in a conference championship game to beat the Detroit Lions 34-31 to in the NFC title game. Matt, I... Stopped watch. I was at my parents' house watching these football games. I was games. so confident in the Lions. I know. I well, I left to go home and didn't turn the game on when I got home. The Niners were down by a touchdown when I left. They had just scored. And you know, then, I know Detroit is heartbroken this morning. They I got know. nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, that was fantastic season and an incredible first half. I don't think they're done either. No, there's a lot of young talent on that team. I want to go back to another story, Anna Mitchell. Who did you say is the guy has told us that our taxes are supposed to be starting up soon? Uh, not Danny Warfel. Danny Warfel. Okay. 
I knew so you were not ask the Heisman-winning no. Florida Gator quarterback no. who went on to play for I want to say the. How do you spell his name? Washington, and I think he might have spent some time at Green Bay. Or how do you perhaps. spell his name? He was a saint. Well, Werple? a New Orleans yeah. saint. His name is spelled W U E R F F E L. Danny that, Warf- Warfel. That's the quarterback. The IRS commissioner is Danny Werfel, W-E-R-F-E-L. You know, you have to ask because sometimes these people go from the college football world and they do become people in the government. Tommy Tuberville is there. Uh, Heath Shuler, who once played quarterback for the University of Tennessee Volunteers, spent some time Mm -hmm. in Washington for Yeah, but do you become the IRS commissioner after being a Heisman I don't know what he majored in. Might have been one of those scholar athletes. You should look into what Danny Warfield is doing these days. Maybe I should. Maybe some analysis. I wonder how many times the IRS commissioner has been asked. They get each other's mail. Hey, do you know who Danny Warfield is? Yeah. Hey, anybody ever said? No. Has anybody ever told you you have the same name as a quarterback? That's probably never happened to him before. Never. Probably never. Never. Well, we thank you for joining us. On this Monday, the 29th of January, it is nine minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Kevin Schmeezing. And Kevin, how are you? Hi, Matt. I'm doing well. All right, so Syria seems like it's always in the news for horrible things that are happening over there. And uh, this is a good opportunity to help people remember that Syria has played into the history of Christianity and going back even before Christianity. It's a significant place. That's right. It's a good opportunity. It's also a good opportunity to do some Eastern Catholic history because we haven't done that in a while. In fact, I'm not sure we've ever covered Syrian Catholicism. The Syrian Catholic Church is one of the 23 Eastern churches in full communion with Rome, and its arch eparchy, which is basically an archdiocese at Aleppo, was created this week in 1659. One early division between East and West in Christianity occurred following the Council of Chalcedon when some groups of believers did not accept the Council's decision on the question of Christ's human and divine natures and so became separated from the rest of Christianity. These became known as the Monophysite or Non-Chalcedonian or Oriental Orthodox churches. The Coptic Church of Egypt, probably the largest and best known, and one of these churches was the Syriac Orthodox Church, which was based in Antioch. Fast forward to the 17th century. After centuries of conflict and conquest, Syria is predominantly Muslim, but by this time has opened up to some extent to the West, and so Jesuit and Capuchin missionaries begin working in Aleppo, which is one of the most Christian cities in Syria. Under their influence, a group of Syriac Orthodox decide to reunite with Rome. It was this week, January 28, 1659, that the Pope created the Arch Eparchy of Aleppo to serve this population. The See of Aleppo and the Syriac Catholic community continue to this day, still reflecting a strong Eastern character. The website of the Arch Eparchy, for example, is in Arabic, and Syriac Catholics worship using the Divine Liturgy of St. James in the Aramaic language. But they're Catholics, Matt, just like you and me. The Syrian Catholic Arch Eparchy of Aleppo created this week in 1659. Pretty cool story, and uh, lots and lots of history uh, to unpack there. That was a very, very 
handy summary, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Let's head to Minnesota for our next piece of Catholic history. There are today 93 basilicas in the United States, but the very first one to be so designated was St. Mary in Minneapolis this week, back in 1926. These churches are known as minor basilicas to distinguish them from the four major basilicas in Rome. It's essentially an honorary and ceremonial title awarded to churches that have particular historical, cultural, religious significance, and it also bestows certain liturgical privileges. If you look carefully, for example, you'll notice that every basilica has an umbraculum. That's a red and yellow umbrella that usually sits to the right of the altar. St. Mary's has its roots in one of the early Catholic communities in Minnesota, the Parish of the Immaculate Conception in Minneapolis, founded in 1868. By 1900, that parish was outgrowing its existing church, and Minneapolis was outpacing its twin city, St. Paul, which had been named the seat of Minnesota's diocese in 1850. There was at this time, Matt, an intense rivalry between the cities, which manifested, for example, in dueling legal challenges and even physical altercations over the 1890 census count. So in 1903, Archbishop John Ireland proposed the building of a co-cathedral for Minneapolis, which would signify the equality of the Twin Cities and also solve Immaculate Conception's overcrowding problem. The huge Beauarts-style church, white granite with towering dome, was dedicated in 1915, and on February 1st this week in 1926, Pope Pius XI conferred basilica status. It's been known ever since as the Basilica of St. Mary. The diocese itself was renamed the Archdiocese of St. Paul and Minneapolis in 1966, so St. Mary's remains the co-cathedral of the Archdiocese. It was designated the first basilica in the U.S. this week in 1926. Maybe the only debate was whether they should say St. Paul or Minneapolis in the title of the Archdiocese, perhaps. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, fascinating uh, look into some Great Lakes Catholic history. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. All right. And, of course, uh, when you go to sunrisemorningshow.com, you can find all kinds of things, including the video feed in the show notes, if you want to see what radio looks like. Let's check on weather for the nation. And uh, as we kick off Catholic Schools Week, looks like we've got a slow-moving slow moving, uh, cold front, a low pressure that's been dropping heavy rain and some snow in the east. It's going to wind down this morning, another half inch possible along the quarter in New England. Light snow also over the Appalachian spine. Not a lot of accumulation expected. During the evening hours, an Alberta clipper will track through the Great Lakes with some light, slate, light rain or snow. My goodness, possible. This should drop a half inch to an inch of snow in Michigan and Wisconsin. In the Pacific Northwest, moisture moves in and will bring a few rain showers to the Cascades and coastal areas. Although it'll be breezy in the plains, the rest of the U.S. will be dry. Right now, it's a quarter past the hour. We're back with headlines right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you longing to hear God's voice? 
Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, but I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Every morning, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has condemned the attack yesterday on a Catholic church in Istanbul that killed one and wounded several. Pope Francis highlighted the ongoing war in Myanmar as he made appeals for peace around the world during his Angelus address yesterday. And Super Bowl 58, Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, it is Catholic Schools Week. It is you know. indeed. Uh, you know, we have a um, Catholic educator, so she's been dealing with this for a while. Got a kid in Catholic school as well. I know you do. I have several. Um, it is uh, Pajama Day. Oh, you got Pajama slash, Day. Um, in, in kindergarten slash preschool where Tommy and Freddie are. Um, you can either wear pajamas or dress up as your favorite superhero or princess. Okay. Well, sometimes so, those things are not mutually exclusive. Right. And actually, um, I'm not sure that the boys will be dressing up as their favorite superheroes, just what they have. So Freddie will be sup- he'll be wearing his Superman T-shirt that has a cape that attaches to it. Okay. Um, does, Tommy does it double as PJs. Yeah. Well, Tommy will be wearing. Um, spider-man pajamas okay yeah so yeah like i say there's some overlap right exactly yeah we yeah. got wacky tacky day oh um so i'm sure zeke, zeke was, loves that he was working on his outfit last night and he uh put it together and he's like how's it look dad i was like it looks great he's like no it looks tacky it's not it looks supposed terrible. to look great. what are you saying so oh, uh, yeah, Matthew. he's he's got a wild mix of things going on. Uh, I'm not going to spoil what other days we've got this week until the days actually occur. Oh, okay. Uh, I do yeah, have well, I'm just not that put together, so I couldn't well, I tell a, you what I tomorrow school, is. I got a school newsletter in front of me. <laughs> nice. Uh, but if whatever your st- school happens to be doing across the listening audience, uh, weigh in either in the comments on our Facebook feed, uh, on on the live stream, on YouTube, or one of those things. I want to know what other schools are doing because some mm-hmm. schools get super creative. Mm-hmm. about this i know we're doing penny wars which oh means uh, yeah we're either. collecting for uh pregnancy center here in cincinnati this week yeah 
Uh, we're collecting for a parish home. food pantry, and I believe also the Maddie Stepanek Guild around here. Neat. Um, there's a Sister of Life who's coming in to speak about vocations one of the days this week at our school. Um, there's going to be a service project one of the afternoons. The, the whole school is just going to be putting together meals for the local cool. parish food pantry. Very, very So we're going to – these kids who are used to just packing their own lunches are going to get packing lunches for families in need. That's awesome. I know there's an ice cream bar at some point. Well, that sounds incredible. There's an ice, uh, not ice skating, roller skating party on Thursday. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Everybody skate backwards. Yep. Night Ranger playing on the stereo, perhaps. No, I don't think so. And, of course, kids wore school uniforms to mass yesterday, so it was kind of cool to see all the different schools represented. Oh, that's very nice. We had a school mass yesterday. In the school Very chapel. Nice. I'm seeing, wait, I'm seeing they're making an obstacle course for, wow. Wow. Catholic Schools Week is good. Of course, yesterday, Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, patron of Catholic education. More on him in a minute. It is 21 past. are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is an indulgence? An indulgence is the remission, in whole or in part, of the temporal punishment due to sin. An indulgence is like this. Imagine that you had a great debt, and in order to pay it off, you had to have recourse to your uncle who said, listen, I have plenty of money. I'll pay for some of the debt, and I'll help you out. Now, that's precisely what it's like when we sin is we need to put the good into the world that we have taken out of the world. But sometimes we don't have enough good in us, and so we have to do penance. And so an indulgence is basically asking the Lord to send down extra grace upon us through the merits of the saints and, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so an indulgence is not something that can be bought or sold. Rather, it's a free gift given to us by God so that we might reduce the amount of penance that we have to do for our sins. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Patrick Briscoe, the editor of our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. It is great to have you back. And we are going to be talking about St. Thomas Aquinas today, his feast January 28th. So, superseded by Sunday this this past year. Although, do Dominicans get to supersede Sunday with Thomas Aquinas? Are you allowed? 
We did in our places that are named after him. Oh, but wow. okay. uh, but we, cool. we did not surprisingly hit our House of Studies. <laughs> that is kind of surprising, actually. Who's the patron of the House of Studies? Well, in a plot twist, the Immaculate Conception, but that's a story for another day. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get that story some other time. I look forward to that. Um, but, of course, we celebrate Catholic Schools Week this week because it always starts off with the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, who is the patron saint of, of students. And, you know, there have been some wonderful Dominican saints through the years, um, I mean, not least of which being Dominic himself. But if you were ranking the Dominican saints, where do you think Thomas Aquinas would rank? Oh, he! I would say he's at the very top, uh, in step in step with Catherine of Siena. Mm. I would say in competition for number two, right behind Saint Dominic. Mean. Okay. I mean, it sounds like a hawkish thing to say. I once heard a friar say this line, and uh, I, I wasn't too sure about it when I heard it years ago. But uh, but now I can say it's absolutely true. Nothing of consequence has happened in Catholic theology since 1274, when Thomas <laughs> Aquinas died. <laughs> and, and that just sounds so brazen and so full of bravado, but it's true. St. Thomas Aquinas was the greatest Catholic theologian to have ever lived. He's the only theologian whose study is recommended by name by the Second Vatican Council, for wow. example. Wow. And that's hundreds of years after he died. Yeah. So, But bar none, he is the master, which is why he's the patron of students and the patron of Catholic schools. So true, so true. But... Is he, I mean, I guess, you know, Vatican II cites him by name, but but is he relevant today? He couldn't be more relevant. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas has such a clear mode of thought that the study, that the study of St. Thomas is so helpful to forming a mind, to think clearly, to formulate an argument, uh, to be able to, to pursue the truth. I mean, the, I asked this question recently of the great, of the, uh, the great theologian Wojtek Giertek, who is the mm. Dominican who currently serves the Holy Father as a papal theologian. Mm-hmm. I said, does St. Thomas Aquinas matter today? And Father Giertek says, well, of course, because whatever was true once is true now. Truth, truth is always true. Truth is always true. The perennial things are always true. Truth is not a relative thing. The idea that, that, that the truth would, would, would change, as the papal theologian put it, is rubbish. So the, the study of wow. the study of Saint Thomas Aquinas uh, has such great import because Saint Thomas leads us to the truth, as Saint Thomas says, uh, because truth himself, himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. Hmm. What do you think Aquinas has to say to Catholic school students? Saint Thomas was a was a very dedicated man in his studies from a very young age. So. Part of what we struggle with today is just the discipline of the mind, of the discipline that's required to study. Um, it, it's, it's a challenging thing for young people um, to just go to a corner and read a book. Mm. Uh, I can say that when I was growing up, I was the, the, the sort of kid that hid batteries so that I could have the flashlight power I needed to stay up late reading. You sound like my daughter. You know, so, yep. <laughs> so I was under, I was under the covers. You know, and uh, I, I, that is rarer and rarer today um, because of our advancements in technology, and they, they absolutely impact our ability to think. Um, mm-hmm. And so we have to consciously resist those and build up um, the virtue of study for St. Thomas Aquinas, studiositas, study, 
is a virtue, um, and it's something we have to therefore conscientiously practice and habituate ourselves towards. Yeah, and I think he also has a message for those who teach, don't you think, in in terms of particularly in Catholic schools, but but any teacher in, you know, you we were just talking about truth, that, you know, truth is truth, truth doesn't change just because we're in different times. Um, we need teachers, all teachers, but, but in Catholic schools particularly, if we're going to be able to be a light to the world, uh, we need teachers that are committed to truth. Absolutely. For St. Thomas, the universe is full of wonder. The whole, the whole universe reflects the God who made it. And for St. Thomas, it's a joy, a joy to uh, look at the universe, to look at the world around us, and to desire to, to understand and to explain it. And that's the kind of passion that has to drive a teacher, to have that, to have that, that sense of wonder always, have that sense of awe, that marvel at what God has done, um, and, and to be fueled by the passion to, to continue to, to know it and explain it better. How do you Dominicans celebrate Aquinas if his feast doesn't land on a Sunday, that is? Well, usually a large Mass now, so because of the feast and everything else, we had a, we had a transfer and we had a big celebratory Mass on Thursday at the Catholic University mm-hmm. of America cool. in the National Basilica. So, uh, so that, and we'll venerate relics and we'll pray for our great saints' intercession. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you coming on to talk about him. You got any message for Catholic school students before we let you go, Father? Long live St. Thomas. <laughs> well, I do hope that Catholic schools will uh, bring up St. Thomas this week as uh, we celebrate Catholic Schools Week because he is the reason that we celebrate it today or this week anyway. So uh, go read Father Briscoe's piece on this over at our sundayvisitor.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. God bless. You too, Father. Thank you. All right, it's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis has condemned the recent attack on a Catholic church in Istanbul. Vatican News reports one person was killed at mass yesterday after armed gunmen attacked the church. The Holy Father said during his Angelus address yesterday, I express my sympathy to the communion of Saint, to the community of St. Mary Draper's Church in Istanbul which suffered an armed attack during mass that left one person dead and several wounded. The apostolic vicar of Istanbul said, quote, the concrete motivations are not yet known and have yet to be verified, but the elements that seem to emerge so far suggest a religiously motivated attack, a motivation of religious intolerance, end quote. Also during his Angelus address, Pope Francis highlighted the ongoing war in Myanmar as he made appeals for peace around the world and also bringing up the Holy Land and Ukraine and Haiti. During his catechesis, he reflected on the Sunday Gospel, saying, when tempted or taking the wrong path, invoke Jesus. 
From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. As he reflected on Sunday's Gospel passage, which recalls Jesus freeing a person from possession by an evil spirit, the Holy Father reminded the faithful that the devil wants to take hold of us, but we can resist him by staying close to the Lord. He said the devil desires to possess us in order to chain our souls, and that therefore we must guard against the chains that suffocate our freedom and enchain our hearts. Jesus, Pope Francis assured us, came to free us from all of these chains and from the devil's relentless attacks. Non si Jesus, he said, liberates us from the power of evil and never dialogues with the devil. We, on the other hand, he lamented, often let the devil's chains hold us until they do too much harm, and then it is more difficult to free ourselves from them. However, the Pope emphasized, Jesus reminds us that with the devil, we must never negotiate. What to do then when we feel tempted and oppressed, the Pope asked. The answer, invoke Jesus. Invoke him then and there, where we feel the chains of evil and fear tighten most strongly. The Lord, with the power of his Spirit, wishes to repeat to the evil one even today, Go away. Leave that heart alone. Do not divide the world. Families, our communities, the Pope said. Let them live peacefully, so that the fruits of my Spirit may flourish there, and not yours. The Lord, Pope Francis reminded us, wants our lives to be full of love and joy. But he repeated, this requires our vigilance in not dialoguing with the devil and our prayer, which allows him to restore us. Pope Francis concluded the Angelus reflection by asking the Blessed Mother to protect us from evil. I'm Christopher Wells. Three American service members are dead after a drone attack early yesterday morning at a U.S. outpost in Jordan. The U.S. Central Command has confirmed another 25 service members were injured at Tower 22 near the Syrian border in northeast Jordan. It marks the first U.S. troops killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war in October. President Biden condemned the attack in a White House statement yesterday and called it a despicable and wholly unjust attack carried out by radical Iranian-backed militant groups. The Biden administration is confirming a record number of encounters at the U.S.-Mexico border back in December. Brian Shook reports. On Friday, U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials announced there were over 302,000 encounters at the southern border last month. Nearly 250,000 of those were between ports of entry on the border. CBP agents say there's been a 50 percent decrease in migrant encounters in the first two weeks of January, partly due to enhanced enforcement of immigration laws. I'm Brian Shook. The Diocese of Homa Thibodeau has announced the funeral arrangements for Bishop Mario Dorsonville after he died two Fridays ago due to complications with liver disease. The diocese says visitation and a memorial mass for the dead will take place January 31st at the Cathedral of St. Francis in Homa, and then on February 1st there will be visitation and the mass of Christian burial at St. Joseph Co-Cathedral in Thibodeau. That's the news you're listening to, the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show. 
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. To live according to the Spirit means thinking, speaking, and working virtuously, not according to the senses or the desires of the flesh. But what are the virtues of the Spirit? Faith which shows us truths beyond the comprehension of the senses. Hope, which makes us aim at the good that is invisible. And charity, which makes us love God above everything else and our neighbor as ourselves, not with a purely natural or self-interested love, but with a love that is pure, firm, and solidly founded on God. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Happy Catholic Schools Week to all who celebrate. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, and we've been going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and looking at the various places that the Church Fathers are cited throughout it. Father Gavin, good morning. Good morning. Bit of a challenging and sobering passage from St. Augustine Mm. that we're going to get into today. Uh, If you could, let us know where this passage is cited. So, well, first of all, within the Catechism, we've arrived at the section on the Last Judgment, and just prior to where this passage is cited, The Catechism affirms that the Last Judgment will take place at the resurrection of the dead and the consummation of history, that it will take place in the presence of Christ himself, who is the truth, the measure of truth and justice, and that what will be judged is the good that one has done or failed to do. And we can also add that uh, we shall not know the day or hour when this will take place, obviously being always prepared and ready. And the passage here comes from a sermon uh, by St. Augustine, and in many ways the passage is kind of a commentary on the important passage from the Gospel of Matthew that we hear right after the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, in which our Lord talks about the judgment that will take place in response to the questions, uh, when I was hungry you gave me food, when I was thirsty you gave me drink. So it's in many ways a commentary on that and on the uh, the Last Judgment itself. So let's get into this quote, because, uh, I mean, it 
the information, the material, it's not new material, as you say. I mean, a lot of this sounds uh, just almost like a paraphrase of mm-hmm. Matthew 25. Right. Right. And what's interesting about the passage, though, is, and I just point this out, is uh, what he does with it is he actually adds dialogue. Uh, he speaks, uh, gives uh, dialogue to God, to Christ, uh, building on that parable. And it, it comes in, really from what Augustine learned in his training as a rhetorician. Uh, one of the exercises that they would have to do sometimes is, in his early training, would be to take on the persona of a character in a speech. So, for instance, you would have to be Aeneas from the Aeneid, Virgil, and speak in that name. So he's using that technique in his sermon here, but in this case, expanding on the commentary of Christ. All right, so he says this, and this is how it kicks off. He says, all that the wicked do is recorded, and they do not know. Uh, and then he says, when our God comes, he does not keep silence. He will turn toward those at his left hand. And this is where he gets into the, the voice of, of God. He's speaking from the perspective of God here when he says, I placed my poor little ones on earth for you. I, as their head, was seated in heaven at the right hand of my father. But on earth, my members were suffering. My members on earth were in need. If you gave anything to my members, what you gave would reach their head. Would that you had known that my little ones were in need when I placed them on earth for you and appointed them your stewards to bring your good works into my treasury. But you have placed nothing in their hands. Therefore, you have found nothing in my presence. Oh, I mean, aside from just letting that kind of hit you like a freight train, it mm. also strikes me that Augustine's doing a little bit of a an ecclesiology with this passage, too, to remind people that the body of Christ is mm. not this thing over here and the head is over there. He says, if you gave anything to my members, what you gave would reach their head, meaning like if you had treated my body on earth, uh, the people who are mine on earth with care and love and respect, it would it would have gotten to the head. Yes, and that's a wonderful way of expressing it because he, also what he does here, of course, in, in building that ecclesiology, as you said, that uh, that – uh, this takes place in the life of the Church, the body of Christ, that uh, he's kind of commenting on Christ, Scripture, using Scripture. He draws on uh, the image of the body and then brings it into this uh, image of the Last Judgment and makes those connections. And you're right, it hits in a way that really should awaken us, uh, that as members of this body of Christ, we are to follow that commandment of love that Christ gives us toward each and every member. In some ways, the scariest part about this passage is the opening. And <laughs> I couldn't help but <clears throat> think uh, about it in terms of uh, something that Augustine would not have understood in 2024, which is everybody having smartphones. But where it says <laughs> here, all that the wicked do is recorded, and they do not know. So uh, it's it's significantly a bigger deal now that everybody's walking around with camcorders in their pockets. But mm-hmm. I can look back on pictures from when people had to, you know, snap a few, then drop them off at like the pharmacy and then pick them up uh, <laughs> a few days later to see them developed. And then you look and you're like, Oh no, I didn't realize that I was in this picture, this candid. If I'd have known my picture was being taken, I probably would have 
tried to not look as stupid, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. It, but, but this is like that on like a cosmic scale. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and when it, it really is a call, therefore, uh, to be always or to, the, to to be recollected that we are always in God's presence, right? It's not just uh, the moments I'm in church or the moments where I'm praying or reading the scriptures, but that I want even the little things that I do during the day, the interactions that I have, I want to be always conscious that those are also in God's presence. They are moments to glorify God and express love in small ways, or as we hear here, uh, to really uh, reject God's presence and fail to glorify God in the little ways. And so being recollected, being in God's presence always is something that we want to strive for. Well, of course, the converse of this is that if all that the wicked do is recorded and they do not know, as we see in Matthew 25, all that the righteous is doing, or they're doing, that's also being recorded, <laughs> right? Right, And right, exactly. so uh, I think it's also a reminder to me that um, to not worry about if I do something that I know that I'm supposed to do and I get frustrated that I'm not recognized for it. And sometimes people want to call attention to the good things that they're doing just because they want the recognition, but to remember that now, now is not the time for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that this is in sort of the eternal reckoning of things that we have to think about and not be focused on credit. No, very true. And, and I think it's, it's that eternal view that seeing our lives from the perspective of eternity and the life that's offered to us that radically shapes how we live, but also how we hope, right? Uh, As you said, what we do, we don't have to have it seen by others, but rather it's in the presence of God. And live always in that presence. Well, actually, to recognize that we already do live always in that presence. We're going to live in that presence whether we uh, are thinking about it or not. But uh, this comes, uh, again, from the Catechism section on the Last Judgment. It's uh, paragraph 1039 in the Catechism, if you want to read uh, the setup, and if you want to read that excerpt from St. Augustine's sermon that is quoted at length in the Catechism. Father John Gavin, we've got your book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, as always. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, and God bless. All right, got headlines coming up after the break. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. It's always harder to get out of bed when it's cold outside. So, 
Give yourself something to look forward to, like Mystic Monk Coffee for the first cup of the day. You can find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, and we earn a commission on anything you buy through that link. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can buy through our online store. Check out the mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. He is honored by the Church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit, St. Peter Canisius, was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 13 Till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has condemned yesterday's attack on a Catholic church in Istanbul during mass in which one person was killed. Three American service members are dead after a drone attack early yesterday morning at a U.S. outpost in Jordan. And the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau has announced the funeral arrangements for Bishop Mario Dorsonville. Next newscast coming up in about 14-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 12 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We have been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books. Good morning, Dr. Stout. Good morning. So we are going to be talking about how we participate in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. But I think before we get to that, Dr. Stout, it is worth revisiting what we believe as Catholics when it comes to this idea of of sacrifice and the Mass. Because Protestants will accuse us of crucifying Jesus over and over and over again. So can you talk about that to kick us off today? Yes. Uh, so sacrifice is essentially a sacred offering. Literally, the word sacrifice means to make something holy. And so usually that's taking some of the, you know, the produce from the harvest or choice animals and offering them to God. And I think that's why, you know, Protestants are thinking, okay, Jesus died once and therefore it's, it's done. It's, it's over, right? You know, why would you have another sacrifice? But if we take sacrifice in the broadest sense to make something holy, Jesus enables his one perfect sacrifice to the Father um, in which he didn't make himself holy, right? But it, it makes us holy. <laughs> he offered himself on behalf of all of humanity. And this is something that transcends time because this offering reached to all human beings, past, present, and future, we're all included in that sacrifice. And so sacramentally, you know, we see this at the Last Supper, you know, do this in memory of me. What's the this that we're doing? You know, he says, this is my body given for you. He connects the Eucharist to that perfect sacrifice on the cross, and the Eucharist enables us to enter into um, the, the cross and to receive its fruits. Well, this is something that that Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, talked about, right? I mean, we we sort of associate the idea of sacrifice with destruction, but that's not 
actually, even though, I mean, in Jewish times, there were things, animals or whatnot that were, so to, so to speak, destroyed, that's not actually the point of, of sacrifice. You can think of Psalm 51, mm. you know, holocausts and offerings you sought not, but my sacrifice is a contrite spirit, you know? Yeah. And so what does that mean? It's like my life has become holy, this, you know, by being offered to you and Jesus and offering his life to the father in a way it expresses the fact that his life was totally for the father, but it pulls us into it. And so we do not crucify Christ again at the mass, but the, the offering of the bread and wine, which becomes the body and blood of Christ, that does become our sacrifice because we are offering Jesus to the Father. It becomes the perfect sacrifice for us. And so it's not new in the sense that Jesus is sacrificed again because he isn't, but it's new for us, right? Because it's it's a new offering um, that we are giving to the Father and it's drawing us into the love and, and the obedience of Jesus. Hmm. Can you talk about the role of the priest in this sacrifice? And I think this is where it can get confusing, right? Because, you know, you think of the, the sacrifices of the Old Testament. You had the Jewish priests come and they would offer, you know, whether it was a cereal offering or an animal sacrifice. Um, and so you say, well, how's this the offering of Jesus, right? Because you have this priest getting up at the altar, you know, isn't it his sacrifice? And we would say, no, right? The priest acts in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. So through his ordination, the ordained priest is conformed to Christ the head, to Christ the high priest. And he is not offering, like I said, a separate sacrifice from the, the mm -hmm. sacrifice of Christ. He's actually offering what Jesus himself offered. And when the priest says, this is my body, he doesn't say, this is the body of Jesus. Yeah. See, we're going to offer that yeah. body again to the Father, right? You know, he says, this is my body, right? It's the one sacrifice of Christ. Um, and the sacraments in general, right, are outward signs that make present to us these inward hidden spiritual realities. And so the priest is the outward sign making the high priesthood of Christ present to us. In the mass, you know, you see the the outward offering of bread and wine, but that is to make present to us the, the offering of the body and blood of Christ. Now, we have our own role in this as well, right? We, mm -hmm. You know, the laity are not ordained priests acting um, according to the headship of Christ, but we are members of the body. And so when Jesus says, this is my body, right, we're actually included in that. So when the body is offered over to the Father, we are offered as well. And so when we're at the Mass, um, we should be, you know, offering jesus and ourselves to the father and this really is a priestly act so we have to you know understand the difference between the ordained priesthood and the common priesthood of all the faithful that we receive from our baptism but we actually are able to participate in the priestly sacrifice in our own way during the mass i'm like blown away by this thought you just said that as the priest says this is my body He's obviously talking about Jesus being in persona Christi. He's also talking about us. And so 
we as the body of Christ are receiving ourselves in a way in the body of Christ as well as Jesus? Well, Maybe we that sounds this. heretical. You should probably explain. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be a heretic here. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, I mean, the church clearly teaches that when we receive the body of the Lord, we enter into communion not only with Him but all the members of the body. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's communion with Christ and the whole church. So, yes, I mean, I, you wouldn't want to say I receive communion with myself, right? Sure, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, I would say we receive our deepest identity. Wow. Who are we as Christians? We wow. are. Christ, right? As Paul says in Galatians, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Think about that from a Eucharistic perspective. Mm. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And when I receive Christ into me, I become a member of his body. So when the body of Christ is offered, yes, I'm a part of that, right? You know, when the body of Christ is offered to the Father in sacrifice, I'm a member of that body. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is, wow, 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 wow. All right, sorry so, about... <laughs> that's all right. Uh, you want a little hot take ecclesiology and sacramental theology to wrap oh, all those things together? I cannot wait to hear it. So we put this, we actually put a video short out at the Coming Home Network um, on body, bride, temple, ecclesiology, a little four-minute oh, thing cool. uh, from uh, one of our staff members, Kenny Burchard, who's a former Pentecostal pastor who talked about how, like, all these things sort of hit him at once as he was exploring Catholicism. Okay, that's intense. And he says he's looking at the crucifix and realizing that body of Christ. Mm -hmm. He's looking down to the altar is also that body of Christ in the Mm -hmm. Eucharist is being given to, and he looks around him, this body of Christ, the church which is now going out on mission as the body of Christ out in the world. Wow, wow, wow. So to receive the body of Christ, is, if as we were talking about with Father Gavin before, it puts you in communion with the head because the church is the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. To commune with Christ is to commune with his people. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, we got more next hour. It is 20, or it's three minutes still. Monday, January 29th. Yesterday was the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, and we have begun Catholic Schools Week. So let's wrap it all into a prayer by St. Thomas Aquinas for students, praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, divine creator, true source of light and fountain of wisdom. Pour forth your brilliance upon my dense intellect. Dissipate the darkness which covers me, that of sin and ignorance. Grant me a penetrating mind to understand, a retentive memory, method, and ease in learning, the lucidity to comprehend, and abundant grace in expressing myself. Guide the beginning of my work, direct its progress, and bring it to successful completion. This I ask, through Jesus Christ, true God and true man, living and reigning with you and the Father forever and ever. Amen. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. It is a better way to start a Monday morning. 
the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running on sunrisemorningshow.com if you want to see things on video. Apparently, if you say the name Travis, if you even just like mouth the name Travis on a video feed, it just boosts your ratings exponentially. But what do I know? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a radio guy, not a video guy. But up this hour, Teresa Tamio is going to be along from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. We'll also catch up with Brendan Hodge from The Pillar, Bear Wozniak with more Rules for Manliness, and uh, we'll also get more English history insights from Stephanie Mann. So lots to get to here on a Monday morning. Right now, it is two minutes past. News a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. One person was killed in an attack during mass at a Catholic church in Istanbul. The apostolic vicar of Istanbul told Vatican News the community is shocked after armed gunmen entered the church and began firing shots in the air at the moment of the Sanctus. He said, and then the reaction of one of the faithful, who also had some mental health problems, had the courage to protest against this, probably in response to this act. They responded by killing this person, end quote. He said, the concrete motivations are not yet known and have yet to be verified, but the elements that seem to emerge so far suggest a religiously motivated attack, a motivation of religious intolerance. Pope Francis condemned the attack during his Angelus address yesterday. He also highlighted the ongoing war in Myanmar as he made appeals for peace around the world in his Angelus address. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. For three years now, the Pope said the cry of pain and the noise of weapons have taken the place of the smile that characterizes the people of Myanmar. Given this, the Pope said he joined his voice with that of Burmese bishops in praying that the weapons of destruction may be transformed into instruments to grow in humanity and justice. While the Pope acknowledged that peace is a journey, he invited all parties involved to take steps of dialogue and to clothe themselves with understanding so that the land of Myanmar may reach the goal of fraternal reconciliation. Let humanitarian aid, he said, be allowed to pass through to ensure the necessities of every person. The Holy Father also turned his attention to the Middle East, focusing on Palestine and Israel as the humanitarian crisis in Gaza continues. At the same time in the Middle East, Palestine and Israel, and wherever there is fighting, the Pope said, respect the people. He said, I always think in a heartfelt way of all the victims, especially civilians, caused by the war in Ukraine. Please let their cry for peace be heard, the cry of the people who are tired of violence and want the war, which is a disaster for the peoples and a defeat for humanity, to stop. The Pope also reminded Christians to pray for Haiti, despite expressing his relief to learn of the recent release of religious sisters and others this week. The Pope, however, appealed, I call for the release of all those still kidnapped and for an end to the violence, for all to make their contribution to the peaceful development of the country, for which renewed support from the international community he appealed is needed. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Three American service members are dead after a drone attack early yesterday morning at a U.S. outpost in Jordan. U.S. Central Command has confirmed another 25 service members were injured at Tower 22 near the Syrian border in northeast Jordan. 
It marks the first U.S. troops killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. President Biden condemned the attack in a statement yesterday, calling it a despicable and wholly unjust attack carried out by radical Iran-backed militant groups. Pope Francis spoke to the Plenary Assembly of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on Friday, stressing that the DDF's recent document on blessings does not equate approval of same-sex or other irregular unions. Calling them pastoral and spontaneous, the Holy Father said, quote, these blessings outside of any liturgical context and form do not require moral perfection to be received, saying, quote, he is not blessing the union, but simply the people who together have requested it, end quote. The Diocese of Homa Thibodeau has announced funeral arrangements for Bishop Mario Dorsonville, who died January 19th from complications related to liver disease. The diocese says visitation and a memorial mass for the dead will take place January 31st at the Cathedral of St. Francis in Homa. And then on February 1st, there will be visitation and the mass of Christian burial at St. Joseph Co-Cathedral in Thibodeau. The Super Bowl matchup is set. Kansas City will take on San Francisco in the February 11th Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. The Chiefs defeated the Ravens in Baltimore yesterday while the 49ers came back at home to beat the Detroit Lions. And Pope Francis last week ended a Chinese diocese's 70-year period without a bishop. The Catholic News Agency reports the Holy See announced Father Thaddeus Wang Yusheng was consecrated as the Bishop of Zhengzhou, affirming that the appointment was made in the context of the provisional agreement between the Holy See and China. The diocese had been without a bishop, Matt, since the 1950s. Wow. It's a long time to not have a bishop. It's a very long time to have a not bishop. Yeah. Uh, to have a not bishop. To have a yes. not bishop. Yeah. For the sede to be vacante. In, indeed. As it were. Indeed. As it were. Yeah, so congratulations to them. I, I don't know if you know this, but there is, I believe, one that is significantly longer. Actually, it's hard to know whether or not it's longer than that. Mm-hmm. And I don't I know. Do we have she, Teresa Tamio? I do not think so. I think her. I think her phone went straight. She's on a cruise. Oh, so well then. We, weren't we won't really, bother Teresa. We weren't really sure if she was going to have reception, and indeed, I believe her phone went straight to voicemail. She did so. have a reception. It was very nice. There a were, very nice there was reception. Wine and cheese, but on not the, the kind of reception that brings her onto the Sunrise Morning Show. Indeed, indeed. Well, okay. So Anna Mitchell, I think I've shared this story on the air before, mm-hmm. but I wanted to share it in light of what you just mentioned about this Chinese diocese that had a vacancy of would you say fifty years? Well, more than 70. 70 years, 70 years. Okay. So interestingly enough, um, there is one that remains vacant, and it's kind of hard to tell how long it's been vacant, but it may, I mean, and it's kind of hard to know, it may beat the record. So if you're familiar with what's going on in North Korea, Mm -hmm. let us know, because nobody knows what's going on in North Korea. Uh, So interestingly enough, there is a, a priest named Francis Hong Yong Ho. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, in 1933, uh, after being ordained, he was made Bishop of Heijo in uh, what would become North Korea uh, during the height of World War II. So in 1944, he was elevated to bishop. In 1949, when Kim Il-sung is 
taken over everything, mm-hmm. he arrested Bishop Hong Young Ho. And that's basically the last that anybody ever heard from him. It was 1949. Mm-hmm. But despite the fact that Bishop Hong Young Ho had been imprisoned and nobody knew if he was dead or alive, he was still listed as Bishop of Heizhou. Well, the following year, the Vicariate Apostolic of Heizhou had its name changed to Pyongyang. Mm-hmm. North Korea had just invaded the South in June of that year, a month earlier. So even though the Vicariate Apostolic of Heizhou's bishop had disappeared in 1949, he was still listed at, as its bishop when it was elevated to a Vicariate Apostolic of Pyongyang in 1950. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody knows if this guy even, like, if he was alive, got word of the change. Right. So then a few years later, 12 years later, in March of 1962, uh, Pope John XXIII elevated Pyongyang to a diocese. And who did he list as his bishop? Uh, bishop Hong Young Ho, from whom nobody had heard anything in 13 years. Wow. So for decades, Bishop Hong Young Ho continued to be listed in the Pontifical Yearbook, which is kind of like the directory of bishops, mm-hmm. as the bishop of Pyongyang. But in 2013... Yeah, I was going to say, See, didn't they finally? They did. It was yeah. in 2013 that they finally acknowledged Bishop Hong Young Ho's death, not because they had gotten any information that he had died, but essentially because a bunch of people wanted to open his sainthood cause. <laughs> and wow. you can't do that if you're not recognized as having died. So basically, to crunch the numbers, Francis Hong Young Ho was recognized as bishop of what would become the present-day diocese of Pyongyang from 1949 to 2013, which is 69 years. Wow. And his successor has has not been named. Yeah, there's just an apostolic administrator. But I think that that might also be in part due to political reasons. Absolutely. That he has not. I mean, if there, I mean, any Catholic priest would be operating in secrecy in North Korea. Well, let me right? just tell you this. If right? there are priests, Catholic priests operating in North Korea, I hope nobody tells us because if they tell us, mm-hmm. then maybe the government will find out there. Yeah. So, uh we were talking about this with Father Tangora um last week with uh ministry Nicaragua. in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there are priests who are doing ministry in Nicaragua, don't tell me. Yeah. I don't want to know. Well, that reminds me of when uh, we did a a series of interviews with Catholic Relief Services on Mm -hmm. the dioceses to watch in terms of of religious liberty issues and and also um, and and also just, you know, dire circumstances in terms of, you know, the people within these within these countries. And um, we were set to they had. I think it was like a top 10 list or maybe a mm. top 12 list something like that of diet of of countries that they were most concerned about for various reasons and and toward the top of that list was Nigeria and when it, we were kind of going through it um and Catholic Relief Services said to me um we can't talk about Nigeria actually because yep. even just talking about it puts our puts people in danger so this is something that people don't understand about uh global politics and the nature of the church you know we are in a world where people get elected and they need to talk policies and all kinds of things and and brag about what they think that they're going to do once they get in charge the church is very different uh some people may remember the case of the only papal encyclical ever written in german 
uh, Mitbrenninger Sorga, which was put together by the Pope and sent by his nuncio to Germany as the Third Reich is taking control. Mm -hmm. And they passed it out among all the churches in Germany, sort of secretly, and on Palm Sunday in the late 30s, all these churches were supposed to read essentially this condemnation of National Socialism, condemnation Mm -hmm. of the Nazis, read from the pulpit. Well, turns out that the Nazis did not take kindly to this, and they cracked down hard. They cracked down hard on this public testimony Mm -hmm. uh, from from the Catholic churches in the country. And later, the Apostolic Nuncio, who was eventually elected Pope, Pope. Yeah. namely Pope Pius XII, uh, you'll note that we are still finding out, to this day, new things mm-hmm. that Catholics were doing underground, secret. quietly, secretly, because the Nuncio, who then became Pope, found out the hard way what happens when you deal with some of these regimes. Mm-hmm. It's not They don't come after your bureaucracy in your country. They can't come yeah. after the little people in their country. Well, think about what we're going to be talking about with Stephanie Mann here in, in right. just a little while later this hour. Um, uh, well, she's going to be talking about uh, some comments that Cardinal Mueller said recently about the term papist. But... Uh, the reason that the word papist came about in the English Reformation was in reaction to things like the the assertion of authority, very necessary assertion of authority in the Catholic Church um, during the Reformation time period, which was questioning all authority when it came to matters of, of religious faith um, particularly. But, I mean, Pope Pius V put out that um was it an encyclical i forget what i forget which maybe it was a papal bull excommunicating elizabeth the first and and basically telling catholics in england you do not need to obey her in matters of certainly not in matters of religion but even in matters of of governance and um was supporting the uprising that was going on in the north of england well what did elizabeth do in reaction to that she down. killed a bunch of priests or had yep. a bunch of them killed, you know, and and so these things, um, I mean, I'm not questioning Pius V here. I'm just saying that that there are consequences um, that that usually happen to those who are on the ground um, when when things go public like that. And well, so uh, to me, the, the most interesting takeaway is the reminder that. You know, we're always thinking about American policy and American this. America has not been around very long. Mm-hmm. The church has dealt with a lot of different oppressive regimes mm-hmm. in every corner of the world for a couple of thousand years. Yep. So the church has from the, the very beginning, really. Yes. The church started out under oppressive regimes. <laughs> yeah. So yep. and she's Absolutely. kept she's learned some interesting things from everyone that she's dealt with along the way. Yeah. Well, let's pray for our brothers and sisters in the persecuted body of Christ, yeah. for sure. Amen. It's 16 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. 
Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Whether you are a seasoned believer, someone exploring your faith, or even if you're simply curious, Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers is the place for you. We'll discuss the big questions, explore the richness of our spiritual traditions, and discover the common threads that bind us together. Join us starting Monday, February 5th at 4 p.m. Eastern for Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers only on EWTN Radio. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has condemned the attack during mass at a Catholic church in Istanbul in which one person was killed and several injured. Three American service members are dead after a drone attack early yesterday morning at a U.S. outpost in Jordan. And the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau has announced the funeral arrangements for Bishop Mario Dorsonville. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We want to know what you're doing for Catholic Schools Week. Mm -hmm. I know there's lots of cool little spirit activities uh, that are going on. It's Wacky Tacky Day at my son's school. You got Pajama Day at yours, Anna Mitchell. Yep, yep. Um, Lots of cool things going on. I know we've got Dress Like a Teacher Day coming up at some point. Oh, neat. So you've got uh, you got a bunch of different ways to let us know about this. Head over to our Facebook page. You can comment in the YouTube video comments. You can shoot us an email through the contact page at sunrisemorningshow.com. But I want to know the most creative and clever things that you're doing at your Catholic school during Catholic Schools Week. So head on over to sunrisemorningshow.com. Let us know one way or another what's going on. We'll try and shout out your school on the air. Catholic schools, schools you can't believe in. They used to play that, that on they... the PA. Like, you know how... Was that at Roger Bacon High? No, that was Our Lady at the Rosary Grade School. Ah. My principal would, like, put a like a tape player up to the microphone, you know, like how you would get the announcements on the speakers. Yeah. and She would, like, put that up every morning of Catholic schools. Was week. it, like, one of those mini tape recorders? No doubt. I mean, I don't know. Like I wasn't like Twin there. Peaks, like I wasn't. Diane. It's possible. Or just like had a boombox and just like scooted it. Up I didn't to the go to the principal's office terribly often in my grade school career, so I have no idea. A likely what, story, Anna Mitchell. No idea what kind of device she was using, but I'm sure it was a cassette tape. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Catholic Schools Week. Subscribe to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, 
go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. O come, creator spirit, come, and make within our souls thy home. Supply thy grace and heavenly aid to fill the hearts which thou hast made. O gift of God most high, thy name is Comforter, whom we acclaim, the fount of life, the fire of love, the soul's anointing from above. The sevenfold gift of grace is thine, thou finger of the hand divine. The Father's promise true to teach, thy light to every sense impart, pour forth thy love in every heart. Our weakened flesh do thou restore, to strength and courage evermore. Drive far away our ghostly foe, thine own abiding peace bestow. If thou dost go before as guide, no evil can our steps betide. Through thee may we the Father learn, and know the Son, and thee discern, who art of both, and thus adore, in perfect faith forevermore. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Henry Steffen. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thanks so much for joining us on a Monday morning. Brendan Hodges back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog and author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press. Is also a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you. And you are our data guy. And I know you're the data guy at the Pillar, too. They actually, you know, like keep you on retainer. So do I. Totally. You get paid well here. Um, Every year, Kara puts out a survey of the newly ordained. And since it's Catholic Schools Week, we're going to look at uh, some Catholic school-related stats with the most recently ordained priests in the United States. Now, Kara had a graph that that looked back to, to 2006 in their most recent report um, at the, the percentage of priests who attended Catholic schools in their youth. So what does it indicate in terms of, of how many of our priests went to, to Catholic grade school or Catholic and or Catholic high school? So it really is a lot. Um... Looking back to 2006, as many as 50% of uh, newly ordained priests went to Catholic elementary school, and then uh, 40 to 45% of Catholic priests went to Catholic high school or Catholic college. And although the percentage has decreased a little bit in uh, recent years, we're still seeing about 45% of newly ordained priests having gone to Catholic elementary school and about 40% going to Catholic high school or Catholic college. That's really incredible. Do we happen to know um, how that compares to, I guess you could say, like the general population in in terms of, of baptized Catholics? I mean, do do future priests seem more likely to have gone to Catholic school? 
they are significantly more likely to have gone to Catholic schools. So the overall numbers that I've been able to find are that about 15% of children of Catholic families of school age are attending Catholic schools at this time. And um, so if you think about how 45% of newly ordained priests went to Catholic school, that means that they are three times more likely to have gone to Catholic school than the general population. That's interesting. Now, can you take us through, I don't know, like the last five years or so, the specific numbers in terms of how many went to Catholic schools? I'm interested. Yeah, so in 2019, 47% of newly ordained priests had gone to Catholic elementary school, while 39% had gone to Catholic high school and 38% had gone to Catholic college. And uh, that percentage of Catholic uh, priests who had gone to Catholic elementary school has declined a little bit in the over the last five years. It went from 47 percent in 2019 to 44 in 2020, 44 in 2021, 42 in 2022, and 43 in 2023. Hmm. So it is a slightly declining trend. That doesn't necessarily mean that more priests are going to public schools. Uh, what is interesting is that the recent care reports have started to dive into this increasing number of Catholic priests who are homeschooled for at yeah. least part of their youth. And so what we're seeing is that the percentage of priests who are homeschooled by their parents has been increasing by that few percent that the number in Catholic school have been going down. But it's actually kind of a trade-off between the two because the average homeschooled priest was only homeschooled for about eight years out of his uh, his time there. So families are often having kids in Catholic school part of the time and then homeschooled part of the time. Very interesting. I mean, I feel like you can count homeschool as Catholic school. Would you agree? I know you homeschool your kids. I, I do, because, I mean, if you think about the importance of religious education being that children are being taught in a Catholic environment and understanding the intellectual underpinnings of the faith, I think that that is both what homeschooling parents are often trying to achieve in Catholic families, and also an important reason why Catholic families send their children to Catholic schools. Yep, absolutely. So also, um, I think it's interesting, Kara always asks in their surveys of the newly ordained um, about those people in their lives who either encouraged them to pursue a vocation to the priesthood, or at least think about it, and then those who discouraged them. So what does it say about teachers in in that section? Yeah, so the number one highest influence on uh, priests is actually um, other priests. Mm. So 70% of priests uh, said that they were encouraged by a priest to become a priest. Um, teachers are in the top five. So uh, 30% of newly ordained priests is that they were encouraged by a teacher or catechist to become a priest. And that puts teachers, in terms of influence, above fathers and below mothers. Wow. Uh, it turns out that mothers are significantly more likely to encourage their sons to become priests than fathers are. So 37% of priests said their mother encouraged them to, 29% said their father encouraged them to. So uh, dads, um, dads, we should, we should do a little up, better man. on that. I uh, feel like I need to uh, step up here. Uh, but the interesting flip side of this is that a lot of priests were actually discouraged by their parents from becoming priests. So 16% said their mothers discouraged them from becoming priests, 13% said their fathers discouraged wow. them. 
Uh, very few priests were discouraged by a teacher. Only 6% of priests said that a teacher discouraged them from entering the priesthood. Wow. So based on all of this, would it be your take that, that schools play a pretty significant factor in, in fostering vocations? Yeah, Catholic education seems to play a very significant role for a lot of priests. I mean, I think we can't ignore the fact that more than three times as many uh, boys who have gone to Catholic schools are going into the priesthood as boys who have not. So it's clearly an important factor in their lives. Absolutely. We've been talking to Brendan Hodge. Find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Brendan, thank you. Thank you. All right, it's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. One person has been killed in an attack during mass at a Catholic church in Istanbul, Turkey. The apostolic vicar of Istanbul told Vatican News that the community is shocked. Armed gunmen entered the church and began firing shots in the air at the moment of the Sanctus, he said. And then the reaction of one of the faithful who also had some mental health problems had the courage to protest against this, probably in response to this act, they responded by killing this person. He said the concrete motivations are not yet known and have yet to be verified, but the elements that seem to emerge so far suggest a religiously motivated attack, a motivation of religious intolerance, end quote. Pope Francis condemned the attack during his Angelus address yesterday. He also highlighted the ongoing war in Myanmar as he made appeals for peace around the world. He also mentioned the war in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and the dire situation in Haiti, though though also expressing gratitude for the religious sisters who were recently released by their kidnappers. In his Angelus Address Catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday Gospel, encouraging the faithful to invoke Jesus when tempted or taking the wrong path. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. As he reflected on Sunday's gospel passage, which recalls Jesus freeing a person from possession by an evil spirit, the Holy Father reminded the faithful that the devil wants to take hold of us, but we can resist him by staying close to the Lord. He said the devil desires to possess us in order to chain our souls, and that therefore we must guard against the chains that suffocate our freedom and enchain our hearts. Jesus, Pope Francis assured us, came to free us from all of these chains and from the devil's relentless attacks. Jesus, he said, liberates us from the power of evil and never dialogues with the devil. We, on the other hand, he lamented, often let the devil's chains hold us until they do too much harm, and then it is more difficult to free ourselves from them. However, the Pope emphasized, Jesus reminds us that with the devil, we must never negotiate. What to do then when we feel tempted and oppressed, the Pope asked. The answer, invoke Jesus. Invoke him then and there, where we feel the chains of evil and fear tighten most strongly. The Lord, with the power of his Spirit, wishes to repeat to the evil one even today, Go away. Leave that heart alone. Do not divide the world. Families, our communities, the Pope said. Let them live peacefully, so that the fruits of my Spirit may flourish there, and not yours. The Lord, Pope Francis reminded us, wants our lives to be full of love and joy. But he repeated, this requires our vigilance in not dialoguing with the devil and our prayer, which allows him to restore us. Pope Francis concluded the Angelus reflection by asking the Blessed Mother to protect us from evil. I'm Christopher Wells.
Three American service members are dead after a drone attack early yesterday morning at a U.S. outpost in Jordan. U.S. Central Command has confirmed another 25 service members were injured at Tower 22 near the Syrian border in northeast Jordan. This marks the first time U.S. troops have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israeli-Hamas war in October. President Biden condemned the attack in a White House statement yesterday, calling it a despicable and wholly unjust attack carried out by radical Iran-backed militant groups. The U.S. bishops are applauding a congressional bipartisan agreement for an enhanced child tax credit, calling it progress. Archbishop Boris Gudziak released a statement saying, quote, this framework makes meaningful progress toward the goal of a strengthened child tax credit by largely targeting improvements in the credit to the lowest income children. This, he said, will help support the well-being of families struggling to meet their basic needs and has the power to lift many children out of poverty. This is exactly the sort of policy supporting women, children, and families that Congress should prioritize, end quote. And the Super Bowl matchup is set. The Kansas City Chiefs will be taking on the San Francisco 49ers on February 11th in Las Vegas. The Chiefs defeated the Ravens in Baltimore yesterday while the 49ers came back at home to defeat the Detroit Lions. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. What does the church say about the last judgment? God has made it clear that this world will not last forever. When it is time for the world to cease, he will again send his son, Jesus. And he will identify each and every one of his faithful and bring them to his right side. And they will enjoy all eternity with him in his father's kingdom. And he will identify each and every one of those who chose in life to reject his goodness, his love, and his graces. And they will be set on his left side. And they will suffer separation from him for all eternity. We know from Scripture that the prophets, John the Baptist, and Christ himself preached that this is so. Yet how many people do not trust that it will in fact happen? They go on living in grave sin as if the world is their own, with no thoughts of remorse for their actions. Yet the very reason God has allowed us to be aware of what is going to happen is to encourage us to live as he calls us to live and to repent for those times when we fail to do so. For more information, contact your pastor or refer to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 678 through 682. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Deacon Bill Mullaney. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bear Wozniak. He's got a book called 12 Rules for Manliness. There are probably a lot more rules than that. 
but uh, he narrowed him down a little bit for the book. Uh, you can find him on EWTN Radio and a whole bunch of other places. Bear, good morning. Good morning, Mac. Aloha. Aloha to you. We're talking about being resolute today. Uh, what does it mean to really be resolute? Because I feel like that's a word that, that has a, a different connotation depending on what context you're in. Well, you know, it, it has to do with this uh, I, uh, introduction to one of my chapters on writing for the brand. Um, back in the days uh, when the Cowboys would write, would sign up, even now, when they would ride for the brand, uh, they had to be really careful who they chose to ride with, uh, who they chose to sign up for, with who's who, what what um, were they willing to do, what needed to be done, uh, in order to uh, take that man's money and ride for the brand. So they're very loyal, and uh, once they signed on, then that was it. They were committed to to doing whatever the boss needed them to do, and. Uh, and also, um, if they didn't do their job, it could it, it meant someone else had to, and so and often that can mean it put people in a real dangerous position. So, uh, being resolute, make, being careful what we choose, using the virtue of prudence, you know, choosing the true good in each situation, and measuring something. But once we make a decision, uh, Jesus said, "Let your yes be yes, and your no be no." So we need to be resolute. Well, you talk about riding for the brand, and people might say, well, cattle get branded. Human beings don't normally get branded. And yet, if I read my catechism correctly, it turns out baptism leaves an indelible mark on the soul. It's like getting branded in some ways. So are we riding for the brand or not? Yeah, exactly. The, uh, that's so cool, man. You always have the greatest insights. That's, that's, that's exactly right. People should know who it, who it is that we ride for. You know, you know. People who just casually know you, they should know just by your countenance that there's something different about you. And in your actions, they should know this, this, some, this is someone different uh, and that your actions are consistent. You know, there's ne- I'm going to give you an example. I had someone come to my home, and he, all over his truck was a, a sign, Christian uh, Repair you know, Company. But when he came in, he was late, he did sloppy work, and uh, <laughs> had a poor attitude. It was a bad advertisement for the brand. The way, you know, the way I like to present myself is just as a good person, not overtly saying I'm a Christian and, and all of this stuff, but just being a good person and attracting that uh, others to the message. Because, first of all, they can see there's something different about this person so that when you communicate, they wonder what is different about this person, then you can communicate with them. So it may not be, it's, it may not be that you're wearing a big cross, but you're living the life of carrying your cross. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I've had that experience for sure. I've also had the opposite experience where I have, you know, seen a person who drives around a truck that has all kinds of like provocative slogans on it and, uh, you know, things like, you know, just like you know, politically charged or like follow too close and don't be surprised if you get shot, you know, th- these kinds of things. On yeah. And then you meet them and you're like, what a nice guy. Like, this guy's really nice. Like, why would he brand himself in this way if, he, if right. he's not actually like that? I, I feel like we, we tend to, to, I don't know, we pick brands in all kinds of different ways. Uh, we ought mm. to have our brands match on the outside what the brands are on the inside and the soul. Yeah, and you know, you asked, you were talking about being resolute. That goes back to what it means to really ride for the brand. You know, Christians, the, the Christian brand was, the ichthys, you know, the, the, the fish, you know, or, or, and the cross, 
that we they wear the crucifix but you know on the corner of my desk i have this gold plaque and it just says the resolute desk and underneath it it says thy will be done and i stole it from uh from i guess it was um in the oval offices uh, president hayes uh, named the desk in the oval office the, the resolute desk and so it's kind of like also that saying that this the buck stops here i want every day when i come and sit at my desk to do God's will, and not to get go down rabbit, rabbit holes and waste my time, and and, and not not uh, do what God is calling me to do. But once I set my mind to do something, it says when Jesus set his mind to go to the cross, it said he set his face like flint. Yeah. So that's what it yeah. means to ride for the man, be determined, and so people know that man is a Christian. And you know, then people, Matt, you've had it happen to you where people come up to you and ask for prayer or ask for guidance. And you've never overtly communicated to them that you're a Christian, but they know it, and they yeah. and they know that you're someone that they can have a confidence with too. But I also know that uh, even you know it's happened to me rarely, but I I've been on the other end of that where I've been in my parish or I've been in my world, and I've there's somebody that I don't even know that well, but I know who they are, and I've yeah. asked them for prayer. And I maybe yeah. we can't always identify it in ourselves, but I think if we thought really hard, we could see in our minds what we how we've recognized it when we've seen it in other people and what we know it looks like when someone else is clearly writing for the brand, as it were. You know, I get to, I get this label. It's kind of funny. I live here in Waikiki, so it's a very happy, happy place. And uh, people will sometimes say, oh, I didn't know you drank. I mean, because they, they see that I'm, they, they, you know, they see that I'm resolute in the virtues. So they just kind of put that brand on me that, oh, he must not drink. He must, you know, he must be this real, I don't know how to say it staunchy guy but they but they but they they've seen my actions and they've put a brand on me and so i, I i'm glad that they think that that maybe i i don't drink i mean i i never over drink i've only done that maybe once in my life but um but the but the people know there's something different and so each of us have that charism that the gift of the holy spirit that that sets us apart you know we're a royal priesthood we're we're a, we're a holy nation we're people set apart and people should know, and when they know, they should look at us and go, that's a Christian, and that's someone who I can count on. Well, that's a good challenge for today. Uh, does the inside brand match the outside brand? <laughs> and are we being yeah. resolute enough to make those things match? Bear Wozniak, great stuff, as always. If our listeners want to find the things you've got going on on your site and how to connect with other men, as well as your book, 12 Rules of Manliness, how do they find it? Yeah, they can go to uh, deepadventure.com. They can find the book 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? And they can join up for the Man Cave. We've got a whole new uh, – we just redid our whole Man Cave, so it's really cool. It's a non, There's a non-Facebook community and the, and the three-year curriculum for the School of Manliness that we, we all go through together. So I'd love for people to go to the site, deepadventure.com. Linked, as always, at sunrisemorningshow.com. Bear Wozniak, have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, aloha. Yeah, last week it was where have the cowboys gone? This morning it's where have the ravens and lions gone? You know, a tough week for those fan bases. I know we got listeners from both of them. I also know we got a few Kansas City listeners out there very excited this morning and uh, even a few West Coast listeners up early listening perhaps in the Bay Area. Congratulations to you and your 49ers. And uh, nice to hear Brock Purdy uh, in his interviews do what uh what a lot of athletes try to make a point to do which is say thanks to thanks to god for the opportunity always uh always makes me happy when i hear an athlete lead off with that and hear it more times than than you realize if you pay attention
We got Stephanie Mann coming up next. Perhaps you've heard someone throw around the term papist in regard to Catholics. Maybe you've even used the term on yourself jokingly. But where does the term actually come from? We're going to look into that with Stephanie Mann. It's a quarter till. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Are you looking for peace, longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Each week on The World Over, Raymond Arroyo challenges listeners and viewers with important political and cultural reporting and analysis of a wide variety of topics of interest to Catholics and people of faith. And you can get news from The World Over in your inbox every week. It's easy. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Thirteen till. Here's Anna with headlines. One person was killed in an attack during mass at a Catholic church in Istanbul. Pope Francis highlighted the ongoing war in Myanmar as he made appeals for peace around the world during his Angelus address yesterday. And the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau announced funeral arrangements taking place this week for Bishop Mario Dorsonville. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Stephanie Mann. She's got a blog called Supremacy and Survival, which is all kinds of fascinating tidbits from English Catholic history, but also uh, just some analysis and, and study of, of sort of the trajectory of English Catholicism up through the present day. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So there was an interesting interview with Cardinal Gerhard yes. Mueller. We're not going to get into it, but he made a statement that right. Catholics are— not papists, but Christians. Yes. And it does provide a fascinating opportunity to look at that word, papist. Now, I know there's some Catholics out there who have applied it to themselves as like a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's probably not as pleasant in its origins. So right. <laughs> where does this term right. come from? Well, it's it comes from the English Reformation. It, it it starts appearing in English and and used as a noun and a verb in the fifteen uh, twenties uh, in England, and and it's it's really tied to, um, of course, Henry VIII's break away from the 
universal church and and denial of any papal authority, especially over the matter of his marriage, so that he could arrange his dynastic affairs the way he thought they should be arranged, which we know is kind of like telling God your plans. They didn't, it didn't go the way he thought it would, actually. But So it, it, it's interesting that, that when Cardinal Mueller uses that term, it immediately set off in my mind, a discussion of why that term came to be and and why he denied, Cardinal Mueller adamantly denies that Catholics are papists. He says it's a, it's a tradition among Protestants to apply that term to Catholics, but we are not papists. We The Pope is not the founder of our church. He's, he is the vicar of Christ in our church, but Jesus is the founder of our church. We are Christians, not papists. He makes that very clear in the course of his interview. Uh, uh, I believe it was a written interview with Cole DeSantis on, in the Crisis Magazine website. So that's why I thought it was such an interesting use of the term and so important for us to think about historically and maybe even you know today, but certainly to look at the history of it. Yeah, when I hear the word papist, my mind immediately goes to that... Uh... That horrible scene at the end of "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou," where the KKK is rallying and they're getting ready to, you know, have these cross burnings, and they're talking about how, you know, they're trying to defend their heritage against, and they name a bunch of groups, including Papists, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a nice, it's not a nice connotation in which it's said. You know, it's interesting too that uh, there are other. Well, I have family members that whenever they refer to me, they say that I'm a Roman Catholic. Whenever I yes. say that I'm, you know, what I am, I usually say I'm Catholic, right? I mean, I know mm-hmm. that I am under the spiritual authority of the Bishop of Rome as the Vicar of Christ, as you just mentioned. Yes. But even just to call somebody Roman or, uh, in the older forms, Romish or Romist, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Those are also yeah. derogatory yeah. terms. Yeah, all these terms. Yeah, and po- to speak of potpourri and not to mean something that smells good, to to use that. Those terms have been used, especially in England. For a long, long time. I mean, and they were used here in the United States. I point out, you can look it up. Al Smith, when he ran for president, because he was the Irish Catholic uh, uh, governor and mayor in, in New York, he was called a papist. We know that John F. Kennedy had to defend himself from charges that he would uh, obey the Pope rather than the Constitution. It's it's a, a term used to indicate, I think most of all, a division in, in loyalty and to say that if you are I think the charge was for many years in England and in, and uh, Cardinal Mueller even points out in a way in, in uh, the under the Kulterkampf of uh, Bismarck in, in Germany, Prussia, uh, it is a used to say there's a division in loyalty. You can't be a good American, a good German, a good Englishman if you're also a Catholic. And, and that's the, the use of the term that I usually think of. But I think Cardinal Mueller was even extending it wider, saying that you when if a Catholic is being accused of being a papist, they're also being accused of not being a Christian and not being a follower of Jesus. And that's what we need to correct and ident- make sure that our identity is clear. We're Christians. We follow Jesus. Jesus is the, the head of our church. Uh, the uh, Henry VIII may have called himself the Supreme Governor, and uh, uh, Charles III may still call himself the Defender of the Faith in, in England. But Jesus is the founder of our church, and he is the head of our church, and he is the one we follow. Uh, it is fascinating, Pope, yes. uh, you know, by the way, how churches get their names as denominations, and who gets it from themselves, and who gets it from other people, <laughs> right? Yes. 
Uh, so, That's like, true. Luther would not say, I want to found the Lutheran church, and I want it to be named after me, right? <laughs> but it does end up happening, uh, probably mostly due to Melanchthon. Uh, it is interesting, too, that when you get the, something like the Church of England, it's almost just in its very title saying, we are not the universal church. I, I mean, it's it's like telegraphing, we're not the we're not the whole. We're not the whole thing. We're named after one place in the world. Yes, uh, it's fascinating yeah. to me. And that's why I, I I would rather not, like you say, call my allow myself to be called a Roman Catholic because I'm a Catholic. I'm uh, that I don't want to identify just with a a, a city in Italy. But yes, that's true. And then. Of course, when you said that, I'm sorry, you, it makes me think of St. John Henry Newman, because that's what he then started to see. If we're, if I'm a member of the Church of England, does that mean I'm not a member of the Universal Church? And that's why he tried to figure out a via media so that the Anglican Church could be seen in, in the context of the uh, apostolic tradition and the the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church and the, and the Church of England being the third uh, leg on that stool. And so, yes, all these issues of identity are very important. I thought the main thing that I I've, think we obtained from Cardinal Mueller's use of that term and our denial of it is that we should recognize our true identity. It is not that uh, we're papist or Roman. It is that we are Catholic Christians. Well, Stephanie, and that's our our true identity. I've made this joke around the coming home network because we're dealing with people from all kinds of denominations who are coming into, they don't say to themselves, I'm going to be a Roman Catholic. They say, I want to become Catholic. (laughs) Right. They come from all these other denominations, but the denominations that they come from have, in their name, very often something that identifies with something that we as Catholics can kind of claim the roots of. So like Catholics, we are the original Baptists. I know that you probably already know this, right? Mm-hmm. We are the original That's baptizing true. church, right? Or, yes. uh, you know, there's a Pentecostal denomination called the Assembly of God. We are the actual Assembly of God here, right? <laughs> we are the Episcopal Church, yes. uh, right? We We are the Presbyterian Church, right? We are the church of the true priesthood of Jesus Christ. There's a whole bunch of these other things that you could mention. We yes. are hopefully on our way to being Latter-day Saints, you and I, Stephanie Mann. <laughs> we are the Church of Christ. We are the Church of Christ. We're the Church of God, right. right? We're the Church of God in Christ. Christ so. Yes. We are, we are all those things. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well. It is true. Stephanie, if our listeners want to come to your site and read some more of the history of this uh, sense of the word papist and how it's been used and its origins, uh, how can they find that? They can just Google or search for Supremacy and Survival.blogspot.com or Supremacy and Survival, and they should be able to find it. And you'll have it linked, I know, too. We absolutely, we've already got it linked. We're a step ahead of you, Good. Stephanie, because I get up just Thank ever you. so slightly earlier than you do. It's all at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Get there and subscribe, put in your email, you'll get those show notes delivered to your inbox daily. Stephanie, have a great day. You too. Thank you. And again, thank you for joining us. It is Catholic Schools Week. We want to hear what you're doing in your Catholic schools, uh, whether it's Wacky Tacky Day, Spirit Day, Superhero Day, Pajama Day. Uh, let us know. Let's uh, let's share some of those stories and ideas from our great Catholic schools on the air this morning all week. I'm Matt Swain. For all of us here, have a great day. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.